0: And I remember like heavily identifying with Scar from The Lion King. Um, it's great that we'll soon be connected, all that. It's, it's an amazing <laughs> song. And it's like so, so, so evil and camp and gay. And I didn't obviously think about it at the time because I was like, oh, it's a lion and it's the bad guy in this movie. And it's just a silly movie about animals, uh, la, 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 la. But like now I just feel like it's, it's some kind of queer vengeance song. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: It's the vibrator that has no equal. And now Motor Bunny offers their thrusting sex machine, the Motor Bunny Buck. Enjoy a fan whore discount at slash motorbunny or use promo code manhor at checkout. Dick wipes. Yes, I am telling you about Permessence new dick wipes. These wipes will help you last longer in bed and take up no more space than a condom. Buy Promescent's new delay wipes today at Promescent, P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T dot com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to the potheads, the bedheads, the headgivers, the headlockers, and anyone with some poppers. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. That that was borderline a dumb one or a fun one. I'm not really sure. But yes, we're doing an entire episode about poppers, people. Poppers. That's because my guest this week is Adam Smith. He's the author of the new book, Deep Sniff, A History of Poppers and Queer Futures. Someone wrote an entire book about poppers? Yeah. Loosen up your buttholes, people, because we've got a show. But before we get to that show, this was funny. Over the weekend I got a text from a, a new sexual partner of mine and she was complaining about some guy on field mansplaining to her relationship anarchy. Now I also happen to know this this woman is is a bit of a brat, she'll tell you so herself. So it turned out she might have he might have had in his bio that he's a relationship anarchist and she might have just been trying to like kind of poke and needle a little bit. Uh, But she also but she was complaining that this guy was like trying to over explain how how she she's not really single, because if you have feelings for any of your friends, then guess what? That's a relationship. Therefore, you're not single. I don't know. And then simultaneously in the peep show, which is our uh, super slutty NSFW group chat for members of my Patreon community, um, a longtime member there. Well, I'll call him B. And by the way, we have a rule that what goes on in the peep show stays in the peep show. But I've I've asked B if I could share this and he is given the A O K. okay Simultaneously, as this woman is texting me, B is posting in the peep show about some woman on field who is arguing with him about what solo poly and relationship anarchy is. And 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 I was like, I, I jokingly not putting the pieces together right away was like, <laughs> I mean, is she Brazilian? And he was like, yeah. I was like, oh, is her, is her name start with L? And I text her, I was like, is it B? And then they, she was like WTF and he's like OMG. And I'm like, oh no. Oh gosh, I I just got myself caught in between the need to, to retain $10 a month on Patreon from this guy and getting laid by this lady. Can I be slutty, Switzerland? Please, I don't want to have to take a side. As of yesterday, I think they were still arguing with each other. So I don't know. I think they should just fucking get it over with. That's just my opinion. If either of you two are listening, just fucking get it over with. Do you want me to referee? You know, I'll be both referee and water boy. You know me, I'm pretty game for whatever. (laughs) Um, I got an email I want to share with you all. It is actually a listener email I serendipitously got about a half hour ago. And the subject line is catching feeling for FWB help. James writes, hey, Billy. First off, just want to say thank you so much for your show. I've been listening since about 2018, and it's helped me a lot with my overall acceptance of my slutty self, and it's taught me a lot about non-monogamy and sex positivity. So, I recently started hooking up with this great woman I met on Tinder, and it's been amazing. We always have a lot of fun doing things outside of the bedroom, like going to comedy shows, getting drinks, and watching documentaries, and then we'll have amazing kinky sex. Recently, she got the vibe I was catching feelings. Guilty. And she kind of called me out on it. And she told me that her and her boyfriend have an open relationship, but they don't do multiple full-on relationships. And that basically she's not emotionally available. And she wanted to let me know that so I don't get hurt. She still wants to be friends with benefits. And we proceeded to have amazing sex. But I'm trying to figure out if that's something I can do. Like, I really like hanging out with her and really like having sex with her. But I'd also be lying if I didn't say I'm catching feelings a little bit. And I don't want to get in between what her and her partner have. And also, I don't want to get in too deep and catch full-blown feelings and get hurt worse later on. So I guess my question to you is, should I try and make it work? Like, any tips to not catch further feelings, or maybe a condom for your heart? Aw, honey. Uh, Or or should I just break things off now and save us both the trouble? I don't have many non-monogamous friends, and I can really relate to your early episodes about feeling like somebody who finds it easy to get hookups, but not relationships. And I'm wondering if you have been in similar situations. Maybe you know what I could do. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, James. Um, first off, even before I get what I emailed him, you know, James and anyone else listening, if you're ever looking for advice for this stuff, especially if you don't feel like you have access to non-monogamous or sex positive or kink friendly or queer friendly community, I highly recommend you join us in the champagne room, our discord server. It's completely free and you can connect with hundreds of like-minded listeners with a breadth of experience, we got people who are in there who are in college. We got people in there in their 60s. We got people who are monogamous, non-monogamous, kinky, not kinky, all the genders, all the sexual orientations. Introduce yourself. There's a link in the show notes. You can go to manwhorepod.com We'd discord. We'd love to meet you, James, and anyone else listening. But anyways, so let's start with the most cautious of all of this. If you're in love with this woman, you can't keep fucking her. It's going to hurt your soul when you're done getting spanked by her or fucking her in the ass or peeing on each other. You know, whatever it is you kinky kids are up to. It's gonna suck when you're all done and she puts her pants on and then she goes on vacation with her boyfriend. You can, of course, attempt to compartmentalize all of this. I mean, it sounds like a fairly new relationship. It might be possible, I could suggest some behavioral shit like texting less frequently or, you know, don't go on so many dates in a month or not doing sleepovers, whatever. But like, ultimately, if you can put the sex with her in a different box than the dating box, go for it. You, you might also just like her and it's exciting and new and it's connected and the sex is amazing and so it feels like it's more. That's okay. Sex should feel exciting and connected even when it's just casual. And something I asked in a follow up email, which, which, you know, I think is relevant is um, James here is 24 years old. She's an older woman. And James, sometimes feelings when you're 24 feel more intense at 24 than they actually are. Like I started this podcast when I was 24 and I was convinced I was in love with a lot more women than in retrospect I was actually in love with. That's just a maturity thing. That's not your fault. That's just something you learn with experience. And no, I do not care if someone had a four-year college girlfriend. It's still not the same. <laughs> and hey, I didn't like hearing that when I was 24 years old either. It's a, it's sweet of her to point this out now. And I, I think it's responsible of her as a fuck buddy to, to point it out. If you see something, say something. Hey, but you can't avoid getting hurt no matter what anybody does. If you fall in love with someone and they don't love you back, it's just gonna hurt. That's part of life, baby. But I also want to point out that this was a safety move for her to bring this up with you now. You said this is somewhat new. So she doesn't know you that well yet. She doesn't know how you handle heartbreak. She doesn't know if you're going to get weird about boundaries if you catch these so-called full-blown feelings, whatever the fuck those words mean. (laughs) Um, You know, she she doesn't want you to get so hurt that you start fucking with her life. Okay, she doesn't, want, she doesn't want you to get hurt and then you start like contacting her boyfriend or calling her work to call her a slut or making suicidal threats or posting revenge porn. These are real things that really happen to real women by real guys who claim they would never do that. So she doesn't want to keep having this amazing kinky sex if it's going to blow her life up should she decide at some point to stop fucking you and you can't handle it. Y'all might remember an Emily from this podcast. She was on a couple of times quite a few years ago. She was in an open relationship. We started fucking. I caught feelings. I was insistent that she felt the same way about me as I did about her. I was insistent. She insisted it was just sex with a cool friend. New Year's Eve and she, and she was also um she wasn't as much older, but she was also older. Um and New Year's Eve comes along. I, we'd been hooking up for a few months. I get invited to a party at this bar where her boyfriend would be and all of their friends. Now, they had a don't ask, don't tell relationship. And I was pining for this woman, pining for her, could not, I was in, I thought, I was like, I'm clearly in love. And I went downstairs and I, you know, I just want one, I want one kiss in a hidden corner somewhere. And she understandably had to be cautious she didn't want someone to see the wrong thing. It got back to her boyfriend and, and, and our, our situation followed her home. I was so incredibly hurt. I made quite a bit of a fuss. Um, I said something shitty on my way out the door, full, full tears. And then some punk who claimed to be lucky Luciano's great grandson threatened to stab me before a random car picked me up, even though I hadn't ordered an Uber. And it turned out the driver was just trying to seduce me up to his place. <laughs> Weird. That wasn't very chill of me to do. I knew what the boundaries were going into this, and I should have pulled myself out when it got too intense for me. Now, you ask if it's worth trying to make it work, but, like, there isn't a lot to make work here. The relationship works. Y'all have amazing kinky sex and are friends. You need to keep your shit together, and you need to pull out of this if you don't think you can handle just having sex and being friends. She's almost 10 years older than you. It's possible she's seen this go the wrong way before. And though I'm sure she wants to protect you, I'm sure she also wants to protect herself and her primary relationship. I don't know you, James, uh, so I can't advise you on, like, what to do. There are no heart condoms. I'm so sorry. And if this is more than new relationship energy, then I'm, like, really sorry about the pain you might be feeling or are about to feel. I remember how confusing and exciting and painful it sometimes felt for me all at once. So take care of your heart if your heart is at risk. But I bet if you tone down on the texting frequency a little bit, you might just be able to handle a fun, healthy, casual, sexual situationship. And it's okay if you can't. In which case, maturely pull the plug oh, good luck buddy I hope it works out uh and if you want to send me an email with with your questions maybe you've got a response for James yourself maybe you've got a comment about another podcast episode we've done uh, you can always shoot me an email at manhorpod at gmail.com all right. Before I get to this week's episode, let's do a quick fan hor appreciation moment, real, real quick. All right, uh, this week I'm giving a shout out to Edgar Vasquez Inojos and Igor Mortier. Who they when you put yeah, Igor and Edgar when you put them together, they sound like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of a slutty European dungeon. In which case, sign me up for the paddles, daddies. Uh, <laughs> thank you for supporting the manhor podcast on Patreon. Thank you for supporting me and the work that I'm doing. Y'all are rock stars. Or slutty European dungeon people. I don't know. Uh, and if you want to join Igor and Edgar and myself and a slew of other fanhors in FanHorn Nation, uh, you can support this podcast by becoming a member at patreon.com slash podcast. That's Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash manhore podcast. And now Adam Smith. Uh, Adam's got a book out, Deep Sniff, a history of poppers and queer futures. <laughs> uh, again, I just I'm so surprised somebody was able to stretch poppers into that many pages. Good for him. He is uh, he's he's generally an overall Uh, creative he uh, he's a podcaster he's a stage artist he he does a lot of stuff wears a lot of hats i had a really fun chat with adam talking about talking about poppers and queerness and gender oh my let's go take a deep sniff with adam smith the man whore podcast is sponsored by promescent I told y'all earlier this year about Promescence Delay Spray and how I always keep it in my bag when I want an extra boost of stamina on a last-minute hookup. Well, now they've taken the same technology, right, and they put it in a wipe. Yeah, a wipe. So much easier, so much more convenient, easier to carry around. They They just made it that much easier to not come too soon. And when it's too soon, hey, whenever you think it is, buddy. I wouldn't steer y'all the wrong way. Honestly, I got pitched permescent during like the first year or two of the podcast, so that was a long time ago, and and I was skeptical, and so I turned them down at the time. But since then, and since I've been able to actually use the product and research the product, I can personally recommend this to any phallus that wants to fuck a few minutes longer all right be better in bed today visit promescent.com that's promescent P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T.com. get it it's like it's like prom it's like it's like pro me scent sent like sniff deep sniff a history of poppers see circular secular nature <laughs> uh the site is promescent P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E-N-T.com. let them know the man horror podcast sent you. Looking to start a podcast? Stop talking about it and get to it. Libsyn has been hosting podcasts RSS feeds since before they were even called podcasts. I only trust Libsyn with the Manwhore podcast and all the things on the back end over there. And you should trust them with your next audio project too. You know, the first thing I did when I took over as producer for The Joy of Text was I moved their RSS feed over to Libsyn. And now I can get you free credits when you use my promo code, Billy, B-I-L-L-Y, because promo code MANHOR was a little too risque for them. So uh, the promo code is Billy at Libsyn, dot com. Yes, start putting your perverted thoughts on the internet like me and sign up today with code Billy at libson.com. or just click the link in the show notes. Now let's get to the show.
0: She's just one of those actors who has such like emotional intelligence and intelligence, intelligence. Um, I just think she's great. Yeah. And I guess like seeing Thelma and Louise when I was like an 11 year old like little gay who like knew how amazing women were, but didn't see them in other, like see them like that, how in amazing ways in like lots of cinema and stuff. I was just like, yes, this is, these are the women that like, and especially her character who are like the women that I know in real life and who I, do you know what I mean? So yeah, great performance.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like as a, as a, as a young little gay growing up, like were there other media representations that you also were able to, to kind of identify with?
0: uh let me think um women specifically i guess um well i don't know this is kind of a funny one but um kim uh, basinger in la confidential i remember when i saw that um and it's like so sexy and it was um it's obviously super like for the like straight male gaze that performance i guess but it was just really sexy to me and if i think back looking back at it now i remember I mean, well, I don't remember, but if I if I think about that now, it's just the way that, like, it's possible to, like, em- really, really embody sexiness and mm. to use that and perform that. And that's something that it took me a long time to be able to do because um, I think it's not something that comes naturally to like most men that are ra- whatever their sexuality that are raised in the culture that we're raised in um and then i think when you like if you go through the process of like going oh yeah i'm gay therefore like i'm you're declaring your sex and your sexuality and then like if you have the confidence then you're just much more able to like access that sort of sexuality is not to say that other people don't do it but i just think that that's a specific journey for a lot of gay people you know i think when i was growing up um and coming of age and coming into my my body and my and my sex i was kind of scared of stuff that was gay or stuff that was queer and people you know characters or people that were any of those things i guess and so um i guess i watched things like Thelma, maybe I watched Thelma and Louise and LA Confidential because I'm like well these are like super mainstream and like straight and and safe and um I can get aw- I can get away with like watching those and no one's gonna think you know oh maybe he's too weird or too queer or whatever I mean obviously looking back now especially like basically there's a whole thing of like <laughs> gay people watching gay men loving Thelma and Louise obviously but I guess that that is just something that i did because it was safe you know like finding certain characters or representations that i really liked in like relatively safe mainstream things and also including star trek that i wrote about in deep sniff quite a bit Mm. um that's a super safe and mainstream thing really but actually finding the sort of subtleties and nuances in some of those characters and and um they were speaking to the little queer kid inside me i guess um and then now i like watch and read all sorts of different representations and i don't give a fuck and you know like i'm part of a i'm a collective part of a collective that helps to organize like a film and arts festival that's like super queer and like we have like really extreme uh like porny stuff in there uh really really boundary pushing uh, content and characters and representations and it's just amazing to be in a room full of queers who are watching that stuff and we're just like yeah we don't give a shit anymore like you know we can just watch this or we could make this stuff And, you know, yes, I will write a chapter in my book about me having a wank, you know, like I don't care anymore
1: well it's interesting you say that you know to to bring up the concept of safety with watching stuff as a kid because um, also like you're watching that stuff no one knows how you're identifying and with whom you're identifying there's like you know so and so is watching a thing Uh, you know I I remember being in the car with my dad as a kid and on a a, I think one or two occasions you know a song that I like would be on it didn't Mm -hmm. matter who was singing it I like the Mm -hmm. song and so I'm singing along with the song but if there's a woman singing the song especially if it's a woman who is singing to a man as many songs tended to be you know i might be singing along lyrics because i think it's a banger and my dad would be like hey you can't no you can't sing that that's the girl's part you don't sing that part <laughs> no she's singing to like, dude you can't sing that part
0: i know um, right or even just yeah. like the
1: hyper vigilance of like children maybe doing something to be mis- i mean a kindergarten yeah. i asked for chapstick from another boy because i oh, had yeah. chap lips and oh, the yeah, kindergarten teacher she was like you can't do that that would be like if you kissed him i just i just need some chapstick lady i don't know right exactly i'm six and my lips hurt i don't know yeah (laughs) Uh, i
0: also think as well like i think i agree with what you're saying about how um you sort of when you're a kid that you songs are like a specific thing and i remember like heavily identifying with scar from the lion king purely because not because like i want to you know like kill my brother and become the king but um And that character is, like, super camp. Like, it's a classic Disney camp villain, right? Um, But there's something about the the song which he sings, Be Prepared. It's my favourite song from The Lion King. And I remember, like, learning the lyrics to it when I was a kid and, like, singing it to myself and, like, doing a little dance in my bedroom to this song, Be Prepared. (laughs) Um, it's great that we'll soon be connected, all that. It's its an amazing <laughs> song. And it's like so, so, so evil and camp and gay. And I didn't obviously think about it at the time because I was like, oh, it's a lion and it's the bad guy in this movie. And it's just a silly movie about animals. Uh, la, 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 la. But like now I just feel like its it's some kind of queer vengeance song. That's how I think of it now. And I didn't think about that at the time.
1: Doesn't Scar have like a little hair twirl like you've got going on too? He like, probably does, actually. I think I think you both have the same little, it's like the little we way have to the know. Hair, like... the hair thing at the front. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's how it's we so... know that they're the evil. Why does the villain always have great hair? It's, that's... that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but,
0: yeah, because they're always gay. That's why.
1: <laughs> I... Well, I'm here right now with Adam Smith, uh, the author of Deep Sniff. A <laughs> What a title. Deep Sniff. Which could be so many things, but it is a history of poppers and queer futures. Uh, your, your subtitle is so interesting because, as I allude to when, with Hugh Ryan's book, uh, When Brooklyn Was Queer, talking about queer history was so complicated because there's some that's explicit and so much that wasn't. And though mm-hmm. there's history in your book, queer futures w- tied with poppers. Yeah. I, I was like, how? Why? What is what's that part of the subtitle about?
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I that was partly just me be, wanting to do something different from writing, a like, a pure history book. If there even is such... I mean, there is no such thing as a pure history book, but what I mean by that is a kind of chronological history uh, of, like, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Uh, and also... I'm going to tell you this history in a very authoritative voice, uh, you know, and a a writing style. Like I'm not interested in doing any of those things really. Um, Those are not the kind of history books that I like. And it's one of the reasons why I stopped studying history when I was like 14. I just dropped it at school. Um, And so what I've kind of learned through some of the other work that I've done before this book, some of the more more history based work, I I make a, a podcast called the log books and that's also about queer history. And it's, um, but it uses a specific archive, and it deliberately tries to get us to think about the 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 stories in this archive from different periods in our queer history in Britain and the connections with those things today and how things are similar and, and dissimilar. And so basically I just like time traveling back and forth. I'm like fully versed, like this way one minute, that way the other minute. And that just is a way for I that I think that really brings history to life. So that was and I also got a small advance from the publisher to write the book. So I was like, right, well I'm gonna write the book that I want to write then because like, you know, I'm gonna invest the most in this. And so that was a way for me to think, okay, right, well, I'm going to bend time and go back and forth and not really care about the chronology that much, tell the stories that I want to tell, uh, not make it definitive, and then think about the future. And it just so happens that I had this idea that, well, poppers, like any drug, really, they free you from your current circumstances and your material circumstances, and that projects you just that little bit into the future, a future version of yourself. So that was kind of how I... Decided to like, well, try and get away with doing what I wanted to do, Cause <laughs> make it thematically relevant.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, again, if if, if in history, uh, queers are either you know erased or or obfuscated. In the future, I think it's it's mostly
0: queer. Yeah, that is one way of looking at it, but I also think there is another way of looking at it, which is that, um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, right? But I think that there's the 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 reason why i i feel queer and i proclaim myself to be queer is just because i feel like it's basically a way of describing this alternative way that i've often looked at the world and i think a lot of people ascribe to this which is not necessarily to do with gender identity or sexuality it's just um always imagining that there are alternative ways that we can like use our bodies present our bodies and look at things and that to me is is queer and that is also um, what drives me forward into thinking about this thing of like queer futures is not that like in the future, like everyone's having sex with all sorts of different people. Everyone's pansexual or everyone's like, there's no such thing as man and woman. And that like, we're really fucking with the gender binary. All of those things might be true and they might be amazing and they might be welcome. And like, I think, but I also feel like it's a, it's an attitude. It's an attitude of thinking alternatively and differently. Um, you know, with like liberation, especially in the body at the heart of that thinking differently. So I don't mean thinking differently in terms of like, oh, let's invent this like new radical technology that no one's thought about, or let's have this like brand new political, economical system that, that no one's thought about before. I mean, it's like rooted in the body. That's what I mean by queer is that it's, a, it's an alternative attitude, which is based on how you want to present your body and use your body and that to me is the thing that's exciting and i kind of got all of that from sniffing poppers <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, the, if they had told me that i would have had such revelations i might have tried them sooner I uh, still have not right. but now you're, you're <laughs> selling me on on poppers it's it's right. well i i love that idea of the in in the future as we're slowly seeing now and hopefully continues in the future, that people will mm. start just being more their authentic selves instead of the self yeah. that they think they're supposed to be.
0: Way before I knew that I was like, that I had like a queer sexuality or a queer gender, or whatever, like way before I knew any of that, I knew that I was a dirty little slut. I oh. knew that I was not monogamous Okay. and that, that monogamy and like marriage and stuff and, like never, ever, uh, never, ever really, I, I never understood that them. And actually I, you know, it it's kinda in a way harder to admit that or harder to say that than it is to say you're gay in certain places and, you know, with certain people. And I kind of knew that. What, what like age
1: range are we talking about oh where you in God. your head
0: you're saying, I'm a dirty little slut? Like, I don't know whether I would have used that word, but definitely, like, I was, like, at maybe, like, 8, 9, 10, I was okay. reading. I hope it was alternative
1: kind of, words at that, uh, at that age. Yeah.
0: I mean, all I know is that I was reading, like, adult books. I was reading adult books quite early. I don't mean, like, erotic books. Like, you know, like porn books I mean like just books that were made for like written for the adult market thrillers and stuff and um the sexy things in the sexy scenes in them I just remember like really responding to and I can remember specifically certain scenes in my head that I must have read when I was really early really young and just thinking like yeah like that sounds great and I want to do all of that and the idea that that would have at some point be closed down as options because I ended up in some kind of relationship that just I just didn't understand that idea and like I lived in a very monogamous well I'm assuming very monogamous like heteronormative house you know I had a mom and dad and they were married and they were monogamous and they'd been together for a million years and and like all the families around me were similar but I just never really understood that lifestyle I guess <laughs> I love and then I started <laughs> sniffing poppers and you know well every, everything went then.
1: Again, not not to like overly mono-hate or anything, but I just love the idea that you called monogamy like a lifestyle. It was like, you know, right. that lifestyle yeah. of like, yeah, I want them to know that theirs is a lifestyle too. That's all. Yes,
0: it is. It's very much a lifestyle and a political position, actually, yeah. because it is enshrined in law in so many ways. And people campaign basically for monogamy rights, but through other means, like through other policy decisions, things like to do with how taxes work. You know, you're campaigning for monogamy to have certain tax breaks or certain tax benefits, but you're just not calling it that. You're calling it to do with tax, but you're actually campaigning for monogamy. So Adam, when did you first sniff poppers? Do tell
1: us about that story.
0: Well, I remember the first time I encountered poppers, which was Actually, when I turned up to a hookup with someone, and it turned into a threesome quite quickly, which was really nice, and uh, they were both sniffing poppers, and I didn't know what they were, and they offered it to me, and I was like, "Do you know what? I'm I'm not going to do it. I don't know what it is, and also like there are three of us in this room, and I'm like really quite stimulated right now. Thank you very much. (laughs) This is like wonderful. So I then went away, which is classic me as well. Like. Encounter something, go away and think about it, and read about it. You know, that's kind of my my vibe. So um that's what I did, and then I must have got some a bottle of poppers for myself, and must have sniffed it alone. They come in a
1: bottle. I know nothing. I know so little about poppers. I couldn't even pick them out of a lineup of of of, of drugs, drugs. <laughs> on a table. If you put old, I'd be like, I don't know which one's the popper. Right. I think of those little you know those little like China like kind of, like Chinese firecrackers little things you could throw on the ground and they well yes. they crackle like that's what I think when I think pop yeah.
0: Well we actually had a performer at the event for the, the like the party book launch for Deep Sniff and he put those on the ground and like stood on them as part of his performance and it really like woke people up. I think people thought there was some kind of like attack happening, like with bombs <laughs> and shit, which is, which I shouldn't joke about, but like, I don't know, that's, it's that's a great that's way to promote a book.
1: Let's terrify the fuck exactly. out of
0: people. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then shake them down for 10.99 on the way out. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, no, no, poppers like now, you know, it's a, it's a chemical substance. It's a liquid. It's mainly sold in these little tiny bottles. They're like 10 mil or 30 mil bottles. And it's, you just open the cap and you sniff the vapor. You don't do anything with the liquid. And if it gets on your skin or in your eye, it's going to cause you lots of pro- problems oh um and so they were sniffing poppers at this um at this threesome I said no I came home I like did my own research I um sniffed some and I didn't really get massively into it um until uh, 2017 New Year's Eve when I was at home alone watching porn and I found these porn videos where people mix Like clips of other porn videos together really tightly, put a dark techno beat underneath and put text on the screen instructing you or dominating you on when to sniff your poppers while you're watching these videos, these popper beta videos. And so I was like, I, I just like clicked on one of these videos, you know, when you're like browsing porn and I just got really into it and it was like, I'm gonna tell you when to sniff your poppers and you're a dirty pig. And um, so I just followed the instructions and like saw all these vid- saw all these like porn clips. And then the, the s- saw the text on the screen saying, you know, this is when you hit, or this is when mm-hmm. you release mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. breath.
1: Mm-hmm. like yeah. sniff
0: it, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I like did all of that and like got really high, had a amazing wank. And then the fireworks just exploded outside my bedroom window because it was New Year's Eve. And I was like, okay, I get this now. I've had this really wonderful solo sex experience uh, you know, and I do have sex with other people, but a solo thing is like definitely a part of my sex life. And I was like, okay, I get this. This is, this is wonderful. And since then it's been a part of my sex life.
1: I- incredible. Uh, I, <laughs> I just, I was, when you were talking about like the, the, the tightly, uh, cut up porn videos with like a techno B with like random yes. instructions, Yes. Reddit is a place I get a lot of oh, my, yeah. I scroll through a lot. So it ends up getting a lot of stuff in there. And so then I yeah. stumbled upon like, there are these like, I guess like they're like forced by hypno videos Oh maybe, yeah, have you yeah. seen those? There, there's
0: an overlap. I've seen those. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it'll be like they're gonna show you the hot chick, hot chick, and then like we'll flash yeah. cock at you, and it's yeah. like trying to hypnotize <laughs> you. That, but it's got the techno beat, and it'll be like jerk yeah, yeah. it, jerk it. Here's a chick, jerk it, jerk it. Dick, keep jerking it. There's a dick on the screen, but keep jerking it. And I'll be like, what? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, that, yeah. that's so fun. So wait, now real quick, what is the liquid in poppers? Like, what is a pop? Like, what is right. it actually?
0: Well, okay, I'm gonna go back to a little bit of history. Is I love that okay? It. Absolutely, So, Okay, so 1844 in France. Oh, wait,
1: wow, okay. Did not expect that. (laughs) uh,
0: A chemist called Antoine Jaron Ballard uh, was just playing around with different substances. It was that era when lots of different chemists and scientists were, you know, doing quite basic research and finding out lots of new stuff. He synthesized this thing called amyl nitrite, which is is just um, basically a basic chemical compound. And he synthesised it. He smelt it. It smelt a bit funny. It made him blush, and that was about it. He couldn't really think of what the point of this substance was, but it was just one of many substances that he was creating and experimented with by combining things. If you imagine that, like, you know, cartoon chemist uh, picture of like a person like pouring things in between beakers and like dry ice steam coming up, that's what I imagine him to be like. Um, he lived in a garret as well above the uh, above a pharmacy. And so um, so he found this sub- or synthesized the this, this substance, wrote about it, but didn't do anything with it. Other researchers like through the 1850s and 60s experimented with it. Uh, they did things like made uh, bunnies sniff it and then s- tried to see what was happening to bunnies like heart rates, which is that it goes up uh, because it lowers your blood pressure. Um, they made cats. They put they they put cats in boxes and then pumped the the vapor into these boxes and so, saw what happened to cats. And then they, they opened the box frogs. and
1: the, the cats just got
0: their asshole waving up in right, the air, exactly. dilated, like, <laughs> exactly. yes,
1: I'm ready for it, daddy. I'm ready to
0: be fucked. Exactly. <laughs> um, and we've all seen the movie Cats. There's lots of open bin holes <laughs> on that. And so, they all also, everyone in
1: cats is actually on poppers, which right, would make I think the so. movie make more sense. To it me. would
0: make more sense. I think that's how you need to watch that movie. Um, they looked at frogs. They gave it to frogs, and they looked at what happens in the webbed feet of frogs, where you can see the tiny blood vessels. Um, and they saw that these blood vessels were dilating. So they knew that, like, it's lowering the blood pressure. It's dilating the blood vessels. It's increasing the heart rate. It's giving a rush to the to the head because when they did it, when they gave it to like to people, mainly men, including bald men, they could see that it causes a rush to the face and you sometimes go a bit red and you can see that especially in some bald people because there's like more skin, you know, available to see. Um, and so they knew what the th- that that's what was happening. So they were publishing research into that. Um, and this is amyl nitrite at this point. This is the only substance that was being investigated um, that was doing this. And at the same time, there was a doctor in Scotland. He's called Thomas Lauder Brunton. If you Google his picture, you'll find a picture of him, and he's really quite hot in a Victorian doctor kind of way. And uh, he was treating angina patients, and he knew that one of the reasons wh- why angina causes suffering and pain in the heart is when the heart isn't getting enough blood because the blood vessels going to the heart are too constricted. So he had seen this research that there was this substance which, when sniffed, could dilate the blood vessels so he tried it on one of his patients when this patient suffered angina pain and very much it worked the um the blood vessels dilated the more blood got to the heart and so the pain was relieved it didn't solve the angina problem but it like eased the suffering so he then set about writing about amyl nitrite as this medicine that could when sniffed helped other people with their angina pain So over the next few decades, that's what happened. Basically, amyl nitrite was uh, popularized by doctors like Brunton and produced by pharmaceutical companies like Burroughs Welcome in the US and the UK and prescribed by pharmacists. How could so many people
1: be sniffing this in the research, in the Mm -hmm. testing and all this and
0: nobody's bringing up, wow, my asshole is loose. Right, exactly. So we don't know when that when the first person realized that, or when the first person like really started to use it for sex. Like, but was everyone just like embarrassed to talk about their ballhole to be like, I mean, my ballhole's loose, but that would be weird to bring up. I mean, we're starting in the Victorian era, so like you know, you're not even supposed to be wanking in the Victorian era. Never mind having like bum sex. So uh, I think that's probably partly to do with it. And so there is this rumor that medical students in the US, I think in Boston in the 1930s, that were obviously um, around amyl nitrite for medical reason, that they started to use it during sex, which is like very feasible. But we don't know exactly when it like crossed over into being a recreational thing, but definitely by... By the fifties, it was being used by, um, especially gay men, and by the sixties, definitely, like bumholes were open across the country.
1: That's why are, are there any other rumors? Is this is it something where there are multiple rumors of when that happened, or is that kind of oh, all we got? Like maybe that's all horny- that I've
0: I've so I've read as as kind of as much as like a person can read about those (laughs) early days um I mean actually that's not fully true like I did a lot of the research for the book in the lockdown last year so I couldn't go to lots of archives and I couldn't access everything Uh, but I also feel like this is something that's super true of queer history generally is that um, it's often impossible to find out the quote unquote like truth about these things especially because these are things whether it's to do with like queerness um, in general or sex specifically that is like not very well recorded Mm -hmm. not written down sometimes it's suppressed sometimes it's censored sometimes it's self-censored some of it you probably
1: wouldn't find unless you happen to stumble upon some someone's personal journal Someone's diary yeah. yeah
0: exactly when you're like and exactly and like if anyone's listening to the podcast who looks through their like grandparents or great-grandparents journal (laughs) and finds that they were sniffing amyl in the 1930s then please 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 email me a picture of that because i want to see that shit (laughs) that is that is wild but now poppers you asked what poppers are so so amyl nitrite was the dominant chemical substance but then by the 60s by the late 60s the authorities in the us and the uk noticed that lots of basically like young fit and healthy gay men were going into to pharmacies and asking for this drug over the counter for angina pain. And this was not the high profile, like high risk profile group for like angina pain or heart trouble, right? These are young, fit, healthy men. Um, And so they knew that they were using amyl nitrite for improper use, as they said. So they put a prescription requirement on it. Um, And so that was when Poppers manufacturers, well, actually there weren't poppers. might call my poppers manufacturers. Manufacturers basically s- the street scene started to take off, and so people started to synthesize amyl nitrite and then other substances to do the same thing, like butyl nitrite. Uh, they started to synthesize them and sell them, you know, like basically like without the pharmacy, without a prescription. Um, and then gradually over the next few decades, the laws tried to control some of these substances, including amyl and including butyl, and so. Now you tend to get propyl nitrite and pentyl nitrite as being the two dominant chemical substances. They're all very super similar. It's just like a lot of drugs. You know, you just change one tiny little thing in the chemical compound and it basically does the same thing, but it enables you to get around a ban.
1: And pop and are poppers safe or like what's, what are the risks?
0: <laughs> Big question. Big question. Like really, really um, small relative harms. I would say there is, if you sniff a lot, it can do lots of funky things to the, your blood's ability to absorb oxygen. Um, so, and that's sometimes why people, um, they get like blue lips or like blue skin because their blood isn't absorbing the oxygen in them. And that's quite, that's pretty dangerous. Um, but that's only really happens in like a tiny number of people and only like pretty extreme, in extreme sessions, like where they're sniffing a lot. Or if they just happen to have some kind of special reaction to poppers in a way that some people are allergic to peanuts or something like that. Um there are other things like uh if you drink it, you're probably gonna die. So don't drink it. It's a poison. Just like you don't drink bleach, just don't do it. Um don't inject it. Also don't inject bleach. It's not gonna get rid of coronavirus, just don't do that. Um so there are things like that. And also there, are, there was some research that some well actually not really research, but some medical findings. Some people have presented to uh, to hospital with some eye problems some vision problems if they've also been having a pretty heavy session with poppers and so there are these examples of um small number of people having some eye problems which basically stops when they stop using poppers um but these are like a small number of medical cases that have been reported we're talking like in the tens not that many so there is a there there's there's a need for research into that i would say generally but also by now like after a Way more than a century of people sniffing this stuff, we would know by now if there was something like really seriously, um, like really seriously harmful to it. Like at the level of like a big number of people, it's not addictive. Uh, it's a lot safer than something like alcohol, which is like widely available but is something that causes you know lots of pain and injury to an individual person and in society. Uh, you know, like no one sniffs poppers and beats people up you know it's like ecstasy it's uh, it's just a nice thing that happens to you um and it's not half as long lasting as ecstasy but right. there we go
1: okay now now in the you, now uh, to a little <laughs> bit of a shift is uh, i you know i've in the, in the states we're still working on whole like under the letter of the law, stuff. But I think culturally, the yeah. yeah, um, uh, the acceptance of queer people has been gaining steam over the decades. But what is yeah. like, where is the UK at? You are in the UK, right? And that's
0: yes, I'm in London.
1: You're in London, and so like, wh- what is the UK's sensibilities towards all that? Where has it been recently? Where do you see it going? Is it in part? Is it in line with the states ahead? Beyond, I mean,
0: yeah, there is some ways that the UK and the US are kind of married on this point in terms of legal rights for LGBT plus people, like um, things like adoption and marriage. And I know that st- different states have different rules on all these kinds of things, whereas we're like a, a, a more centralized system. But broadly speaking, things like marriage and adoption rights, um, we have uh, we have uh, protections in the workplace, which I think um, many states in the US do not have protection in the workplace for, for sexuality and, and gender. These are gender identity and sexuality are what we call protected characteristics in law, which not just extends to the workplace, but beyond the workplace, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of how other people deal with you and relate to you, you know, these are, they, they you can't discriminate against someone because of those characteristics of, of who they are. Um, And I think that generally, um, like, lesbians and gay men are, like, generally accepted um, in society. Uh, I think that there's still quite a long way to go with the acceptance and understanding of bisexual people and pansexual people, because they tend to still get... uh quite a lot of biphobia with people asking you know people bisexual person going on a date with someone and that person saying like oh well you know aren't you also greedy and you're going to want to go and have if you don't with go on a else. date with a
1: man and a woman at the same time then are you really bisexual and are you really so, bi- yeah exactly <laughs> or
0: you're like or you're like 80 20 this and that and like so are you really bisexual if you're not 50 50? all of that bullshit which is purely biphobic and i think that there's a lot um, for us to culturally and socially get to to like fully respect bisexual and pansexual people. And then there is um, and then transgender people. Basically, We're, we have we have a similar problem to the US mm-hmm. that there's still a long way to go for um, like fully like full trans inclusive healthcare and trans inclusive laws. Um, and we like even getting Google JK Rowling to
1: stop fucking tweeting
0: well yeah so basically so she is part of um, a lot of people who are like uh, who are um, kind of talking about trans rights at the minute as if it's as if what trans people are trying to do is in opposition to to women and women's rights and um so basically there's this like souped up argument and and it's really not edifying and it's really horrendous to see what's what's going on um that basically a lot of people are saying that like the more trans rights there are then the less rights there are for women which mm-hmm. just simply. it's not true and um, there's no threat to women from uh, trans people compared to the threat to women from like male people generally, like for example, you know, like, and also just, you know, people that are rapists, people that are murderers, people that want to abuse women, you know, there are laws against all of these things anyway. Um, We don't need to stop trans people getting their rights in order to stop like women being raped and stuff. So, I mean, that's a whole thing And, and it's a really quite a big problem in the UK right now, and it's and it's sort of similar in the US, but also different because I think what's I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of the things in the US. Not to say that everything's great for trans people, but like there isn't so much of a debate about the existence of trans people in the US as there are in as there are in the UK right now. I think. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also to do with class, which is a whole other thing, which is a specific UK thing.
1: <laughs> well, what, well, what was it like for you growing up as a as a queer youth? I do not know your age range. I'm guessing like you're somewhere in a third. You have a three or a
0: four in the beginning, I believe. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I have a three. I'm in the six. 80s or
1: 90s, like what was it yeah. like growing up for you out there?
0: Yeah. Well, I so I grew up in a pretty like small seaside town in the north of England, and um, I didn't see any i didn't know any out gay people when i was growing up i think or queer people um on the tv though, also wasn't very much i was watching tv in the 90s it was before the huge proliferation of like tv options like we have now with like streaming um we had like a few channels we didn't have cable or or like satellite tv i think mm-hmm. in my house um so there wasn't loads and loads of representation on TV or in my actual life. And I, but there were like other queer kids, especially gay boys at my school. And I steered the fuck away from them because um, I basically didn't want to be that. I had inner homophobia that I would now, that, that's how I would describe it now. Yeah, I didn't go as far as like some people in my position would do, which w- which would be to like um, hit on, like, 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 you know, shit on them or, like, bully them and, like, try to, like, really bulk up my, my masculinity and my straightness. Like, I never really pretended to be, like, super straight. I just was there to study. I basically wasn't interested in the games or in the in the roles that people were playing at school. I just, I was like a nerdy kid. I just wanted to get good grades because I knew that if I got good grades, then I could go to university and leave leave the small town where I was. And the household that I grew in, grew up in was like very straight and socially conservative. I thought that my parents were like really liberal because they basically never had a problem with stuff that me and my sister did. But that was just because we didn't challenge them and we didn't do any. We were we were like them and we were pretty safe and boring Um, until my sister came out as a lesbian. And then my parents had a problem with it. And then I was like, oh, shit. OK, so you are human people you have opinions and i disagree with you actually finally and this is where the conflict started in in my family um and so that also was one of the reasons why it took me a long time to come out and to to kind of accept being being gay or being queer and and i think that like i definitely thought of myself as gay before i thought of myself as queer even though i basically like i kind of was queer in a way that like i was saying earlier about not believing in monogamy i think that's a queer thing more than a gay thing i know that lots of gays are not monogamous but i i feel like there's a straightness to gayness now um you know with marriage and shit like that yeah i was just very non-sexual for a very 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 long time outwardly inwardly i was like i said earlier a dirty little slut and i was wanking and i was downloading all sorts of internet porn and stuff like that um so it was just i just i was a classic double life thing that's how i was growing up
1: Mm-hmm. And then, when did you finally feel more comfortable
0: to to be openly queer, openly gay? I let people in when I was twenty nine,
1: and I assume it, and is that after you had already started having experiences after the poppers. I mean,
0: <laughs> no, no, I mean that was that was literally when I started having sex and oh, wow. started, and the, immediately I, when I started having sex, I then like let people in around me. I was just like, well, okay, this is real, this is happening. This no is the sex, sex I've all been your wanking 20s, about. Nothing nada? Not nope. No. No. <laughs> no. I was just was I mean, I was just wanking a lot, um and looking at porn a lot. And I just I feel, I, I guess I didn't feel like it was something that um I wanted to Well, I did want to do it, but I just I guess I felt like if I have the sex that I want to have, which is gay sex, then that's going to like fix an identity and a sexuality and an orientation and a label. Now I am the thing. I am the thing. And I guess obviously that's homophobic of me that I didn't want to fix that. But also yeah. I feel, I still feel connected to that feeling of not wanting to be fixed and not wanting to be categorized. And that's now why I use the word queer because it's like, it's deliberately none of those things. I don't know who I'm going to go and sleep with tomorrow. I'm like open. I don't know what my gender representation or whatever is going to be tomorrow because like i don't give a shit what any of these things are like what the labels are like it's just gonna it's just gonna be what happens and um and it took me a long time to get comfortable with that notion of yeah that fluidity like of just feeling like well it's okay not to be one thing and not to be the one thing forever
1: were you kissing anyone uh, even in that period so (laughs) like when was like what was your first so your first kiss was what happened nine
0: yeah, twenty like I what had- What was that like? Well, actually, I had a girlfriend when I was seventeen and okay. we kissed and it was like not really great, and I'm sorry <laughs> to her. Um and then there was a friend of mine who was a girl who around about the same age, 17. I used to really, really fancy her. And we had this like chemistry as friends, and everyone kind of knew that we sort of slightly fancied each other, and we definitely kissed and we started to have sex one time and it didn't happen. Um, So I'd kiss people like when I was 17. Anyway, 29, I was at like a work networking thing. I used to be a journalist covering science policy. And I was at this like network thing with policy, science policy people and like people that work in parliament and people that work in think tanks and academics and scientists. And I met someone and uh, he just started chatting to me in a very informal, flirty way. And I was like, oh, is this person flirting with me? I'm not sure. But also he's potentially useful as a contact. So we like met up um, in a work scenario, but then quite quickly... Well, we met up in a work scenario and we chatted about work stuff. And then we said, let's meet up again on a Saturday. And I was like, "Mm, "Okay, that's shifting. And then so I went... To meet him in the pub on that Saturday, and I just thought, you know, I've got nothing to lose here. I think he's flirting with me, but this has never happened to me before. So I just came out and said it to me to, to him. I was like, we were chatting and everything. I was just like, hmm, are you? Can I ask are you? Are you flirting with me? And he was like, yeah. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah, that's okay. It's just never happened to me before. And then we went home and fucked.
1: I love that.
0: Yeah, isn't that beautiful?
1: Isn't it great? Can we? What what a beautiful thing! You just ask the question and then you can give a straightforward answer. <laughs> and I love that he was like, is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh that's so sweet and then and then, were poppers involved no it's just, no and then go fuck good for you so basically
0: that kind of like opened me up to yeah. all sorts of different things and he was like you know you know like wow you need to he i don't think he was like intimidated or scared or anything knowing that it was you know my first uh scene um But he quite quickly was like, you know what, you need to, like, really enjoy this period and, like, enjoy some stuff and, like, you know, basically go and slot around if that's what you want to do. And we can carry on having sex, by the way. And so that's kind of what we did. And um, so I think it was during that, like, first six to 12 months where I was just, like, really experimenting and exploring. And that was when I ended up having that threesome where I first encountered poppers.
1: Amazing. 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 You you also have alluded to a few times, uh, you know, your own gender expression or, or identity, mm-hmm. and and I, I was noticing on your website I was popping around and some of the stuff you've done or uh, some things you've created, you know, talking about manhood, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "What does that even mean anymore?"
0: You know, exactly.
1: You tell me. I don't know really. I, <laughs> I mean, like, I know I look like I'm supposed to know, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I on the inside, I think I'm a little more fabulous than I than I'm presenting. Uh, yeah, I,
0: <laughs> I mean, I think that's probably true of us all, yeah. you know, and I think that it's this idea of. Manhood or womanhood that, um, that kind of holds us back quite quite a lot. Actually, you know, like I think that there's also we're in this really interesting moment in history where we're thinking, um, sometimes hard and sometimes shallowly about uh, sex and gender as being two different things. And I think that you know they are different things. Um, and I think this is one of the roots of the of the conflict in our societies over trans people, actually, mm-hmm. because um we think about gender expression and gender identity as separate from sex and that is one of the reasons why and basically just we're not thinking through properly about all of those things i think um and i think that we're not kind of really fully understanding um how to think about these things properly and i think that's one of the reasons why you have like uh certain people saying like you know uh, gender identity is is an is an unfixed thing, and it's not connected to the body that you have. And you need to ha- we need to have rights for people because of their gender identity. And then the and then like the supposed opponents are people that are saying biological sex is a real thing and it's a physical material thing as part of your body. And like it's as if these two sides are like in opposition to each other, but exactly. actually they're talking about different things. Mm-hmm. And so 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 yeah. So basically, I, I kind of don't know the way through this. Um, but all I know is that I've never felt like a man, like, whenever anyone said to me, like, um, a man does this, or a man doesn't do that, I've been, I've always felt like, well, I just feel like that's not actually true of myself, or of, like, other people that I know, or have seen, and so um, that's just something that I, yeah, I mean, I, I tick male and man on the box, you know, whatever, but, like, and I've got a, I've got a dick, if that means that I'm a man. I mean, it doesn't, because I know people who are also men who don't have dicks. Like, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like this stuff shouldn't be that hard. It should. We should just respect each other and... <laughs> And like find ways of like affirming how people say that they are and what they and how they want to live their lives and their bodies. It's their fucking bodies, you know. But
1: getting some shared language would be very helpful, especially when even within people who we would view as whether it's allies or in agreement or in a. So people keep using words so differently. It's like, it's not that anyone's wrong, but like it's not helping getting yeah. people on a similar page because like we honestly yeah. like yeah yeah once you can separate the concepts of sex and gender all this stuff gets a little bit easier to to comprehend but that is yeah. a paradigm shift and there are so yeah. many of us who are not having any appreciation for if you were taught something for 20 30 40 50 years yeah as one as a universal truth, there has yeah. to be some space for like this might be confusing and if someone's like look I'm trying to get like I had this older comic, um this guy he's a comedian he's in his fifties in mid fifties um mm-hmm. he he knows me for what I do and he calls me one day he's like hey Billy you're woke right <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like I right, depends who you ask uh, I'm either right. I either am too woke or not woke enough <laughs> yeah. whatever so he's yeah. like because he want he, he watched the Dave Chappelle special and he wanted to talk about it from a comedy. Angle, but he was also yeah. saying, "I'm an old fuck. I'm trying to get it, but I'm having yeah. trouble." Can like we go to a diner and and jab, and, and we went and probably talked for like three four hours, and, and it was great. And um, it was just like it's a paradigm shift, and he's trying to get past it, and we gotta hold yeah. space for. There's a difference between the people who are like, "Fuck them, they are freaks and should die." And yeah. the people were yeah, like, yeah, fuck yeah. them, they're yeah. freaks, but we'll let them live, but we're gonna call
0: them freaks every day. And then there yeah. the are people
1: who are just trying to get it and are having a tough yeah. time.
0: And I actually, I think that that third category is The vast majority of people, actually, you know, like there's what what we were saying earlier about the the transphobia in the UK right now. It's very evident in the media here, which is by by certain people who are like commentators and stuff like that, um, who are by and large, like middle class and upper middle class, um, either by background or because they've arrived there. And um, also because it's because of those classes and the uh, the jobs that they have in the media and because it's the media like we're talking like relatively small number of people that are that are that are doing that that are, that are being transphobic basically and actually when you look at surveys of like a bigger more statistically uh relevant um sample of the population and stuff when you look at all of that like most people just don't care like most people are like oh yeah okay trans people exist fine like they you know who they say they are is who they are like that's fine I get that that's the majority of people in the UK I'm not sure about the US but most people are just like yeah that's fine and I think that's the third category of people that you're talking about it's the majority who are just like yeah if it, it doesn't affect me, if this person says to me, could you use she, her pronouns for me? And could you describe me as a woman if you're talking about me um, or a trans woman if you're talking about me? Like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't threaten me that, you know, is there's there's nothing, there's no problem with me doing that. um. And I think that's the most people. They're just like, um, oh yeah, I need to be, I need to learn. I need to be educated about like, that I need to refer to this person as their wish to be referred to. But like, how... Even hard is that, Mm -hmm. you know, like how hard is it that like this person says that they need this particular uh, medical intervention or surgery or this particular psychological support and they've been deemed to need that psychological support. Like, yes. Okay. How hard is it for me to say like, yes, they should have that. (laughs) Like... It doesn't. Do, it do, I don't know why people feel so attacked and people feel so threatened. Yeah, that's why. And, what, guess and what? then that's they what bring I'm in
1: saying. the fake, con- especially again to sports. They bring in this fake concept of fairness as if fairness exists. You know, because yes. they they're yeah, always yeah, just yeah. like, well, fairness. I'd be like, gosh, there's so yeah. many black and brown people who would like to talk to you about fairness, about or fairness. you know, think, oh, yeah. et cetera, etc., etc. You know, it, yeah. I guess I, one last thing I would ask then is, uh, you can make it world global or local to the UK, but um, mm-hmm. how is the current? cultural landscape still infringing upon your comfort to be who you are
0: oh well i mean yeah i mean I, i i went to a um a night out a few weeks ago and i and i wore these like pretty tiny sexy shorts and i got called a fucking queer in the street um by this like uh juddering mumbling uh person who um basically Mumbled that I was a fucking queer under his breath, and then he asked me if I knew what time the bus was gonna come. (laughs) And so I, I was like, all I said was like, "Mm, "You just insulted me, so I'm not gonna help you. I'm not gonna answer that question." And then I like turned away and waited until the bus came. I wish that I had also said, "By the way, I am a fucking queer, and I'm proud of it, and I'm probably gonna go and dance my tits off tonight, and maybe even hook up with someone." And I don't think you are because you like i don't think that's what's going to happen for you because you're like negative energy you know so um so yeah so and i i didn't feel threatened by him he was like he seemed to be quite infirm and a lot older than me so i felt like if if it came down to it like not that i'm a fighter but like if it came down to it like i don't think there would be a problem um so yeah so i i I kind of but but that said like it did put me on edge and it did mean that I went into that party I met my friend at that party and I and I just told her and I just said look this just happened and I'm telling you so that it's going to relieve that stress from me and I'm sharing it with you so that you know what I'm going through but like generally I feel okay and it took me a while to kind of get out of that funk but then I was in this amazing queer space uh this by the way the bus stop was obviously like on a regular street in London and then I went into this party it was this amazing queer space super inclusive um very Like affirming different kind of gender presentations, different sexes, sexualities, people hooking up, uh, whatever, getting tattoos done, kissing, taking drugs, who knows, and um, and dancing, and just it just felt like really safe, and the fact that we were able to create that space in London um, shows you just like what is possible and how we can do those. You know, we we can live in that way that we want to live. But it is not like that necessarily on the street. And in fact, there's a pub opposite the venue where this party was. And this pub is like very, was like very hetero and quite aggressively male. And they were even like standing on the street smoking opposite the party that we were at. And like... Like, doing quite weird things coming up to people in the club um, who are, like, on the outside or, like, saying certain things and gossiping about us. And it's just like, oh, my God, get over it. Just, like, enjoy your night and we'll enjoy our night. So I guess that's a tiny little, like, scene that encapsulates the fact that, like, you know... Queers are, like, in London, an LGBT community are able to get together and create space. Um, we have the rights to do that. We have, um, you know, somewhat the spaces to do that. Um, but the, it's not necessarily easy out there. And I say this as, like, a white, able bodied cisgendered um, person who, you know, looks like a man and people see me as a man and stuff. So, so like, um, it's relatively easy for me compared to some people. Yeah. Yeah. well
1: adam thank you for making the time to chat i'm glad we did oh my gosh um i can't i really want to read the book deep deep what a title deep sniff um so <laughs> adam where can people go to find you to take in your work to to yeah. get the book
0: yeah well my website is adamsmith.com it's smith spelled z-m-i-t-h or z-m-i-t-h um, and that's also my twitter handle adam smith uh and uh you so you can um you can get the book from by following a link from my website or from the the twitter handle but also it's just available like everywhere where you get books if it's not in stock you can order it in and you can get it from that big giant online retailer or you can get it from smaller independent bookshops and book website bookshop websites like bookshop.org and places like that
1: fantastic well thank you again and people go check it out and i'm why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody
0: yeah thank you for having me on the on the manhole pod thank you so much and uh thank you to everyone uh if you like poppers then happy huffing and i hope you like the book and if you don't like poppers but you like having sex then enjoy that too and if you don't then just enjoy just have a nice day How's that butthole
1: feeling? Is it loose? It better be. Keep those social media shout outs coming, everybody. Uh, me and my guests are loving the tags, we're loving the mentions, we're loving the retweets, we're loving seeing that you're loving us. Shout us out on the Twitters. Uh, again, he's at Adam Smith with a Z, and I am at the TheBillyPresita over there. Depending on the app you're using, but if you're using Spotify, you can actually share this episode right now. You can share the episode in your Instagram story, isn't that cool? Then uh, your followers are just one tap away from hearing the podcast you love oh so much. And if you have some thoughts that go beyond 280 characters, you can always shoot me an email. I read and get to them all. You can always email me your comments, your questions, your criticisms to manhorpod at gmail.com. And if you have some thoughts that go beyond 200A characters and they're uh, more explicit in nature and maybe you want to share your nudes with me and f- get flirty in the DMs, the appropriate place to do that is on OnlyFans, which you can go follow for free at OnlyFans.com slash Billy. Uh, I don't you, I don't normally plug this link, but I'm going to toss it in at the end of the episode here just because it's it's the holiday season. But uh, I do have an Amazon wish list. So if you want to get me something pretty, if you want to get me something that uh, that I've been hoping and jonesing for, a lot of books on that list. If you want to get me a good book, head on over to my Amazon wish list at com slash thank you. Because whenever I get like a random present in the mail, I'm like, Thank you. I should have a link to that also in the show notes. Um, Next week, we've got a really cool one. I've got on a a dating coach. (gasps) Yeah, one of those. Ooh, Robbie Kramer and I, very surprisingly fun and thoughtful conversations. Can't wait to share it with y'all in a little bit. But until then, everybody, stay warm, stay boosted, stay slutty. dogecoin to the moon ready to buy the dip start investing in cryptocurrency today with coinbase and you can get ten dollars worth of bitcoin for free after signing up at manhorpodcom slash crypto come on how much longer is this fiat thing gonna last